CWG, the truth.com. This program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and I'm very pleased to welcome this next guest. She is an active political engagement uh, specialist. Uh, she is very, very, um, I, I would say, uh, plugged in to what's happening in her local region. Uh, there's a very consequential race happening right now in the wonderful state of Kentucky, and uh, the race for Mitch McConnell's seat who, as some of you know, is the head of the Senate. Uh, he has a robust challenger. Uh, people are skeptical about her chances. Nevertheless, uh, this is a very, very important election. And uh, on the line right now, we have one of her supporters who's working actively on her campaign. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, Miss Sydney Tenza. Miss Tenza, are you there? Yeah, hi. Hey, what's happening? So. You are supporting the campaign of Amy McGrath. Now, first of all, uh, how in the world did you get involved with politics on this level? And what was it about this campaign that made it so urgent for you to participate? Sure, so um, I originally wasn't really into politics. It just didn't affect me so much, but um, I am actually engaged to a Japanese citizen. Um, and over the summer, a lot of things started happening with immigration. Um, to the point where because immigration services are funded by application fees, um, the immigration services were about to like completely shut down, which would mean that my fiance could not come to America, I guess, legally if he did come. So I called, um, I was calling like everybody because this was a huge deal for me. It was affecting me personally. And when I reached Mitch McConnell's office um, and talked to them, their response to me asking them to fund um, USCIS or the immigration services in the next stimulus bill was, oh, so you're talking about something not important. And that, that, just, was, their literal, that was their literal response to you, literally? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, um, what? <laughs> like, right. Mr. Connell is my senator. I pay for him. Like, he's supposed to be responding to my needs, like the needs of Kentuckians. And they literally just told me that my needs were important. What? Yeah, something's wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Right. So immediately I like hung up the phone and was like, how do I get involved in getting him out? (laughs) Um, And I found Amy McGrath and um, her campaign and immediately signed up. I didn't really know anything about her. I just knew she wasn't Mitch McConnell. Um, but as I have started to work on her campaign and get super involved, like I have gotten to know her and the issues I've met her a couple of times and like, she is really passionate about serving Kentuckians and being a voice for Kentuckians. Mm. Um, and I have grown to just like love her passion about that. Mm. How about that? Now, do you think, uh, what factor, if any, do you think um, colors their sort of dismissiveness? Was it because your fiance is from Japan and he's Japanese? That Because you're, you're not Japanese, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're in Kentucky, you're, you're a white female, if I can be transparent with everyone. Uh, <laughs> what role do you think that may have had in how you know, disinterested they seemed in uh, assisting you? Um, I don't necessarily think that him being Japanese was the issue. Um, I think that they don't see immigration as an important issue. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's par for course. That's that's part and parcel of their uh, policy. Aside from building walls, that seems to be the only foreign policy that they're interested in. Well, tell us about the Amy uh, McGrath campaign, because you're right, uh, Mitch, McConnell, Mitch McConnell does have a challenger this time. Uh, he's looking for his fourth or fifth term in office, if I'm not mistaken. So what is it about her campaign that you really like? Can you tell us a little bit about her platform? Yeah, um, so one thing is that she's really focused on the economy in Kentucky, um, we are falling so far behind other um, states. And she has a plan to like get Kentucky back on the map and get us like having a thriving economy once again. Um, We have a really terrible bridge that crosses into Ohio um, called the Brent Spence Bridge. And um, it's like on the list of one of the most dangerous bridges um, and it's on the interstate I-75, which connects like all the way from Canada down to Florida. Um, so it's really important interstate, but the bridge like can fall apart at any minute. Um, so that has caused a lot of businesses to go um, and like just kind of settle in Cincinnati or in Indiana. So a lot of businesses are being taken taken away from Kentuckians due to that in Northern Kentucky. Um, also, we don't have any major interstates that go into Western or Eastern Kentucky. So, Uh yeah. (laughs) So Eastern Kentucky is the biggest um, place. We have huge poverty rates there um, and it's called Appalachia. So Hmm. they were really focused on coal mining. However, there's been a lot of um, stop to that and most of the people now don't have jobs there um so they're living in extreme poverty and they also don't have access to like a good infrastructure so businesses aren't going there Mm. so yes like coal mining is bad however there's nothing that is taking its place because we don't have the ability to get there Mm. they also don't many people there don't have internet access like this is 2020, and we still have lots of people in Kentucky who don't have internet. Uh-huh. Um, so she has a plan to revamp the infrastructure for Eastern Kentucky so that we can um, like create a booming economy in Eastern Kentucky. And instead of having those coal jobs, like replace them with other eco-friendly jobs um, and bring like internet, broadband internet to Eastern Kentucky, great roads to Eastern Kentucky, um, which is something that we're missing. And it blows my mind because I don't know if you knew this, but Mitch McConnell's wife is actually the like head yeah. of the um, the transportation cabinet. I, I didn't know that. I know who his wife is, but no, tell me more about that. She's head of the transportation cabinet. She's in charge of um, federal roads and like distributing money to help infrastructure grow. Mm. She's literally his wife and Kentucky has the worst roads. Look at that. 
See, it's long been suspected that the only reason why um, Trump is, you know, popular amongst his base is because they don't believe in government. They don't really like uh, democracy or being bipartisan and working in a way that actually gets things done. They used to care about infrastructure and issues mm -hmm. such as that, but they this, this administration literally puts people in place just to destroy organizations like What's the guy in Texas who he ran for president in 2016? Uh, Kelly. Yeah, his last name is Kelly. It slips my mind, but he was like way up there. Actually, he ran in 2012 against Mitt Romney and that group. But mm -hmm. yeah, he's he's head of a major organization, and Betsy DeVos is even a better organization. She has no education experience, yep. so she's in charge. She's the education secretary for the United States of America. Someone who's yep. never taught a day in her life. So he puts people in place literally to destroy it. What about Louis DeJoy, the head of the U.S. Postal Service? Same thing. He has no postal background that warrants uh, an appointment of this caliber. And of course, you see what's happening. They're closing polling stations. They're slowing down the delivery of the mail. They're cutting down sh sorting machines. And they were firing people and preventing them from working overtime. Now, a lot of that stuff has been reversed because federal judges have stepped in to say, hey, Kay, this is very ridiculous. And so we shouldn't do this, but yet yeah, that's literally what they do. So Amy McGrath is on the ticket to, um, are you able to, because generally, Sydney, people don't think that she's going to win. She's has sure. a well-funded campaign, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's fair to say that she's, she's the underdog right now. What do you yeah. think it would take for her to start? Um, what would improve her chances? What is it that she needs? Because people are paying attention to this race. It's not for a lack of national attention. Uh, mm -hmm. What is it about her campaign that you think hasn't quite caught on yet? Um, so I think to get more people, more undecided voters or people who aren't going to vote to get them more passionate about um, the campaign is something that, or even voting is something that she really needs. Um, and we had a really tight, uh, what is it? We had a really tight race between her and another democratic candidate um, mm -hmm. and uh, his name is Booker, and yes. a lot of people were pro-Booker and really wanted him to win. And I know a lot of people who have said, because he didn't win, they're not going to vote. Okay. And we, I think that having him really endorse her and like speak out for her would be a great thing, um, because it's not about it's not about having. Amy in particular in the Senate, it's about having Mitch out. <laughs> That's right. Um, is what both campaigns were about. Right. So, now, you're talking about uh, Charles Booker. Um, do you know who endorsed Charles Booker? I'm asking because I don't know, because some of these more uh, quote unquote establishment candidates, and I guess Amy McGrath might fall into that criteria. Um, they, they're considered by many skeptical voters as being a part of the old guard and they could be young, you know, relatively speaking, but, uh, any idea where on the spectrum Charles Booker is? I need to do a little bit more research on him. Is he considered too progressive for Kentucky? And that's why they went with Amy McGrath? Yeah. Yeah. He is much more progressive. He is more in the, in line with like, um, AOC type of, okay. like, yeah. And Sanders. So it's going to be very, well, I'm not going to say, because where I'm at, I've been saying on the show the last couple of weeks, is like, I am learning to be more open 
to mm -hmm. uh, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. I myself am not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I don't subscribe to that stuff, although mm -hmm. I'm very clear on my political leaning for this upcoming election here. And I think the occupant of the White House is completely unfit and I'm doing everything I can to help get him out. However, closing ranks between the progressive wing and those supporting more establishment type candidates, um, I find it to be challenging and it sounds like it's been a challenge out there so far as what you, if I heard you correctly, Charles Booker up to this point has not uh, publicly endorsed Amy McGrath's campaign. Did I hear you correctly? Uh, he has publicly endorsed her and he okay. did like one, um, like one Zoom call with her. However, I think that his deep supporters are not convinced that she is the right person for the job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some have said she's Republican light. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's fair, but <laughs> anytime you have a choice on a ballot between Republican light and a true Republican, uh, they're always gonna go for the Republican. So I hope that's an unfair characterization. When you hear that description about her, does that sound fair? I think that she is very moderate. Um, okay. She, but when I, as I have like been, I've been sending text messages, I've been calling people like for months now and everything I hear is like, not everything, but like from the right side, they're like, she's a communist. And I, it blows my mind to think because, because she wants um, for us to have a public option of healthcare, because she wants to improve infrastructure, because she wants to have, um, a way for education to be paid for. It's not even that she wants, like her, her education plan is to have a year of service. And if you serve in a public sector for a year, you can go to um, college for free. Like it's not even just like free education, um, but like because she wants like more public funding of things, she's all of a sudden a communist. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Anybody to the left of anything the conservatives want is a radical. They're a communist. They're with Fidel Castro or something, <laughs> and they're 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 terrorists. I mean, you've also uh, been very clear about your stance with not only Amy McGrath, but you support the 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 Black Lives Matter movement as well. Um, can you describe to the audience what it's like to be in Kentucky, where you are, a deep red state conservative? Um, and you're a BLM supporter. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, little bit about what that experience has been like for you? Sure. So, um, in a in a red state, I think that many people don't believe that they are racist. Um, they just don't have much experience because we, especially when you live out in the middle of nowhere on a farm. Um, most people around you are your friends, your family, the people that you have like literally known for generations. Um, so they just don't get outside of that bubble and what they see on Fox News or any other like mainstream media is kind of what their rhetoric is. Um, or even like in the old days, what, what has been passed down, like that's the talk that has been passed down, that's the talk that they use now. Um, but they, I have seen that many people are actively speaking out against racism mm -hmm. and still not understanding that their actions or their words are racist. Right. Um, for example, I live like right, right next to Cincinnati and um, we had this huge movement of 
like churches. Um, there are some churches here, and the one that I um, attended before the virus broke out was a church focused on racial reconciliation. Um, and they, it's like a few of those churches exist around the area. However, we had a lot of churches like get together, not just focused on uh, churches focused on that, but all of them. And they did like a prayer walk and a march around um, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, um, yet they're still voting for Trump. Hmm. And I can't, I don't understand how to reconcile that like, that racism that they see isn't a deal breaker or if they just don't see it. Which one do you think it is in your heart of hearts? I think they don't see it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I think because it doesn't affect them, they don't see it. It doesn't affect them. Ah, so part of your evolution has been that it, it does affect you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when you, when you experience something firsthand, that, that's a game changer. And so for those that have not been subjected to, to those same experiences, they may have a blind spot. And whether it's, you know, rooted in intentionality or not, uh, their words can still come across as hurtful. And I guess, you know, to be fair, I guess that could work both ways. But how do you, I mean, how, do you, how have you been able to reconcile this? Because, uh, you know, I've had, I've, I did a whole show with a mutual friend of ours, um, Nicole Haney, she was a part of a panel called Non-Black Allies. Mm -hmm. And I was asking them, you know, about their position and stances during this time in which they're confronting their loved ones or people they know, or even strangers, uh, right in the face of, you know, blatant acts of racism. And, you know, given your level of consciousness and awareness and political engagement, um, what's been your journey around that and how do you see your role in this new day and age when we've had George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and I'm gonna talk about Breonna Taylor in just a minute, uh, mm -hmm. right down the street from you. <laughs> so mm -hmm. what, well, talk to me about that, I, I'm rambling. What, what are your thoughts on all that? On Breonna Taylor? Well, not yet. How do you see your role with confronting uh, white supremacy and racism during this day and age? Sure, sure. Um, so I think that I definitely have a responsibility to speak out against it because it's not right. Like it's not okay for a group to um, see themselves as better than anybody else. And it's not okay for like even implicit biases to be like gone by without people saying something about it. Um, because even if we leave implicit biases, like that can build up to later things. So mm -hmm. I definitely, like sponsor or like not sponsor, but like show black lives business or black owned businesses on my social media. And um, whenever I hear somebody say something that is not like correct, I try to interject and say like, Hey, um, you shouldn't say that. Like, here's a better way to express yourself. Or like, why do you feel that way? Let's try to like find a different like way to say it that's not going to be so derogatory or like hurt somebody. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think that it is, I, I would like to say like, I haven't really experienced it firsthand in America. Um, I've just experienced it like as a bypasser maybe, or like, mm -hmm. like um, I don't think that I can experience it. You mean bystander? <laughs> yeah, like a bystander. Yeah. Um, and like I've said before, like um, my first time was with an Iraqi family 
And that is what opened my eyes to it is when like I went into an, a social security office and saw like the, the officer asked the, the Iraqi man who was clearly Muslim because his family was wearing like the full hijab dress and everything. Um, like, do you have a gun? He couldn't speak English. So he like told the man to talk to me and asked me like, does he have a gun? And I was just like speechless, like, no. And I was so young then I was 19. And that's like my first time, like experiencing that and really waking up to that. But, um, and now I'm seeing it more with my fiance who's Japanese and this uh, coronavirus people saying like, um, it's the China virus, but because he's Asian, they think he's from China and saying derogatory things towards him. And um, people like uh, seven guys jumped my friend because he looks, he's Asian, he's Japanese. So they like think that he's part of the coronavirus conspiracy stuff. Like it's just crazy. And I think that we can't, like even these little things that people say, we can't let that get by. Um, yeah. Well, when people see you, cause I don't know how many, um, Black people are on Amy McGrath's campaign. Mm -hmm. And um, I can hear the sincerity and authenticity in your voice. Uh, how often are you met with skepticism about, you know, your true intentions about wanting to be an ally to this cause? Do you ever sense that your help is welcomed or greeted with hostility? Um, I mean, you, you helped that Iraqi family and I'm sure that was well received. Uh, have there ever been experiences that weren't as well received? Uh, yeah, with my family, I would say more particularly, like, <laughs> um, it's hard, I think, I guess it's harder to correct the people that you're closest to, <laughs> um, yeah. because they don't really, uh, care what they say back to you. <laughs> so, um, definitely well, among your uh, non-white friends is what I mainly meant. Oh, my non-white friends. Um, oh, uh, no, I don't think so. Like they're all super accepting. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. And your family, I'm sorry for cutting you off there. And no, it's fine. I think that just like trying to correct your family is harder than trying to like um, correct other people or like talk about things with your family is harder than to talk about it with another person. Right, right, absolutely. Well, uh, like I said a moment ago, um, Louisville is right down the street from you, not literally, because you actually just said you're actually closer to Cincinnati, Ohio, right? Yeah. Okay, so geographically, I'm trying to envision that. I, you know, my, my map skills aren't all that. And, you know, envisioning Kentucky right next to Ohio, it's like, okay, yeah, I could see that. But um, what's been the local reaction where you are to the uh, Breonna Taylor case and knowing that Daniel Cameron, the attorney general down there, is actually a protege of Mitch McConnell? What's been uh, the vibe down there? Um, I think it depends on what generation you're from. Uh, definitely people who are in their 20s, early 30s support um, Breonna Taylor's family and want justice for her. Okay. And um, have been actively trying to raise awareness. Um, older generations or even some who have not really gone outside of this Kentucky bubble or their evangelical bubble mm. are uh, more Blue Lives Matter, <laughs> which Blue is- Blue Lives Matter, yes. Um, so I don't know if you've ever heard of the blue people of Kentucky, but no. we, <laughs> we have, me, please. yes. So we have a family that 
long time ago, they're in the mountains and just like because of where they're located, um, there was a lot of interbreeding happening that -hmm. caused the genetic um, mutation and they have a blue tint to their skin. So the first time I heard that, like, Wait, blue a lives- literal blue tint to their skin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just yeah. want to make sure I heard you right. Yeah, they have a literal blue tint to their skin. So wow. the first time I heard somebody say "Blue Lives Matter," I was like, "Okay, yeah, but there's like five of them in the hills of Kentucky. Like, why do people care?" Wow. And then somebody said, "Like, no, people—they're talking about police." And mm-hmm. I was like, "I, I don't understand. Police, police don't have a color." Mm-hmm. And like, I couldn't, I couldn't match it. And then when somebody like told me, like, they're saying blue lives matter because police, however, like police aren't born police. Like they choose that career and how like black people are born black. They can't choose that. Like it made sense to me, like why all of a sudden my mind went to the blue people who like can't choose that they're blue. Um, Right. That analogy just kind of like helps me realize like blue lives aren't a thing. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Well, yeah. you're also a former educator, so coronavirus and the uh, in the discussion of reopening schools or not, uh, off the line, you were talking about how you guys are kind of socially distanced already, just naturally, just based on the layout of the, the area that you're in. Uh, yeah. What can you tell us about what coronavirus looks like as it's ravaging through more and more red states, including yours like uh, Kentucky? Yeah, sure. So actually, I would like to point out one thing, because um, when we talked before, I didn't mention this. We said that like um, Trump is like touting red states and saying that they have less cases and everything. That is that is true here. But I would like to point out that our governor is Democrat Um, and he immediately jumped on and shut everything down. He was one of the first governors to shut the state down. Beautiful. Um, and he mandated masks and like all of that. So I think that he did a fantastic job with that. And um, that's Andy Bashir, good guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he did a fantastic job with that. And I think that that is what helped us in the early stages of this Thank virus. We, mm-hmm. uh, we, for months, like up until I think maybe July or August, had cases every day below 100. Uh-huh. Um, So like, I think that his action helped us a lot. Um, However, yeah, we are already socially distanced. Um, Like where I'm from, um, my closest neighbors may be a mile away. Like you walk outside and all you see are trees. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, and even the people that you do see regularly, like they're your family. Um, Family, you have like your mom and dad's house and you built a house on their property and your like cousin lives next door as well so mm-hmm. the people that you do see are your family um Absolutely. there's yeah well even there i mean red states have not up to this point been hit to the same degree as the blue states but as we speak um there's been a spike in kentucky where you are yeah. and i think your governor is uh, now quarantining because he's recently come in contact with somebody that has coronavirus so yeah He's going to be stepping up the uh, mandate for enforcing the wearing of masks. See, this, this it knows it knows and does not discriminate with political party. This thing does not care. Right. And so the more and more Trump can, you know, he, he, he caught the virus. So 
he's supposed to be surrounded with the best advisors in the world on the entire planet. And he caught it. Joe Biden did it. So what does that tell you, folks? I mean, for him to catch it, that's the epitome of hustling backwards because he should be the last person. I don't even I don't have coronavirus. Right. And I'm not even anywhere close to the level of, of advisement that he has. Right. So it's, it's just frustrating. Well, uh, I surely want to thank you for being here. Uh, if people want to get involved and support the campaign of Amy McGrath, uh, what's the best way for them to do so? Um, so if you want to get involved, you can go to amymcgrath.com. That's Amy, A-M-Y, McGrath, M-A, or sorry, M-C-G-R-A-T-H.com, amymcgrath.com. And then you can click the get involved button. We are phone banking constantly. We um, have phone banks happening every day. We have um, phone bank events planned for the weekend of the 17th and the weekend of the 24th. Um, and then also that like October 31st through November 3rd, they have get out the vote happening. So we're making phone calls every day. Um, starting weekends, it starts at 9 a.m. and goes until like 5 p.m. On weekdays, it starts at like um 5 p.m. and goes until like 8 p.m. So definitely phone banking is the best way to get involved, calling voters. Absolutely. Well, you're doing some amazing work. Um, Kentucky starts voting 21 days before the election. So that's coming yeah. up real soon. So, so we yeah. already, our deadline to request an absentee ballot passed on Friday, but early voting starts on Tuesday. There we go. It's here, y'all. It's here. <laughs> this is why there is such a uh, a, a difficult discussion to have when they try to discuss confirming a Supreme Court judge right now. The election is happening right now. So yeah. these are really critical times. This is your girl Reese, and you're listening to Psychotic Bum School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. At first it started with the eyes I'm like, uh-uh, no way Your sister can know And so the tension slowly builds You got them slanted eyes that kills All systems go Then you kiss my cheek, my knees get weak My heart just skipped a beat So I just froze Then you touch me there I knew you would And boy, you touch me good I'm like, uh-oh
This program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, every once in a while, I got to reach across the country to get uh, one of our favorites uh, that's been on the show a couple of times before. She's a soul singer. She's a singer-songwriter. She's an amazing talent uh, out there on the East Coast representing Philly quite well. And I'm so happy to have her back. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, the good sister, Reese. Reese, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? How is everyone? We cool in the game. We, you know, we, we doing mm-hmm. our thing out here. I mean, it, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, the pandemic's hit. You haven't been here in a couple mm-hmm. years, yes. so I, I haven't had contact with you. So I want to know how's it going out there where you at? Well, I'm I'm doing great. I'm in Philadelphia. Um, you know, the pandemic has brought good things and bad things, of course, you know, to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just fortunate right now because I'm in a good place. I'm in a good space. I'm able to, uh, able to create music. I'm able to go online and, and perform. Um, so I've just tried to turn the frown upside down in a sense, you know, and um, mm. just take everything that I can do and that I'm comfortable doing and, and, and just trying to get it out to everyone online, you know, um, okay. that's the new way. And I'm just mm. trying to turn it around, you know? Yeah. Um, any hiccups along the way making this adjustment? Because when this thing hit, people were like, oh, man, how do I get my stuff online? If people weren't online already, for the most part, it was a challenge. How much of a transitional challenge was that for you? Well, for me, it wasn't as bad because whether I had a huge presence online or not, I always had my social media outlets going and I always communicated with um, people on one or the other, either Facebook or Twitter, um, and now heavily on Instagram, you know? But I was fortunate that I got to quarantine with someone who 
you know, had the studio already and we just teamed up and started working together and we gathered different equipment, pieces of equipment that we needed. And now we're like fully functioning online, you know, musicians, like we're there. So mm. it hasn't been, you know, such a bad transition, but, um, mm. but you know, I, I welcome it. This, this one I actually welcomed a lot easier than, than ever. Oh, wow. It certainly forced some growth, whether people were ready for it or not, and having to embrace new technologies. Like we were joking before we mm-hmm. came on, this is our Zoom debut with you. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's a technology um, challenge all the time. For some of us who have been around for a minute, I mean, I remember when MySpace mm-hmm. and Facebook was novel and new, and uh, now it, it ain't nothing but a thing. Everybody's got something. And uh, like you said, through Instagram and other media outlets, you've been staying connected to your fans. So uh, I want to talk about your music uh, in just a second, because I'm always excited when you have some new projects out there. But before we get to that, just locally, I mean, I know you've been really politically uh, engaged. Um, As I know, uh, Philly had a, a primary back in June and people are coming for your city. I think the occupant of the White House is even coming to Pennsylvania uh, this week coming up. And they've been trying mm-hmm. actively to close polling stations or eliminate yes. a ballot drop boxes. And uh, they just got struck down by a federal uh, court. And they, they come in for Philadelphia, Reese. Uh, what are your thoughts on this election season and the level of political engagement you're seeing among the artist community? Uh, well, among the people in general and amongst mm-hmm. the artists community in particular. What have you seen around there? Well, you know, I live in a neighborhood um, in West Philly that is one of those neighborhoods that's very, um, it was like a black neighborhood that now is being gentrified heavily. Mm-hmm. So all I see are like Black Lives Matter signs and, you know, dump Trump signs and and Biden, you know, and pro, every, pro anything but Trump, you know, which feels really great. Um, it's also a little awkward, you know, um, because I I know Black Lives Matter, you know? Mm. I'm not mad, I, I always knew it. So it's really awkward to see it everywhere, but it's a blessing as well, mm-hmm. um, you know? But I I feel like um, the artist community is is not segregated. It's not artists, we, we are the community, you know, we're just one. And mm. I think if you, if you want the right thing, if you want, you know, we need to get him out of office. That's just the bottom line mm, by on. any means necessary. So right. that's just where I'm at with it. I don't, right. to me, I don't really care who it is. I just need it to not be the same person again. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a lot of us feel that way. So it's, you know, I, I've been watching the debates and they've been pretty good. You know, it, it's, you know, it's comical in some points, but it's really sad in other points. And the bottom line is it's just, makes it more clear and more clear whether you agree with every single point of you know the someone in the democratic you know um situation you know you just need to get trump out so mm-hmm. for me it's not much research i need to do you know uh, i'm definitely going to vote uh, i'm probably going to walk in and vote in the place that i've been walking in to vote for the last you know however many years um, right. i've always kept my my residency here because I know Pennsylvania is such an important state. Ooh. But I also know that 
you know, I was, I was also ignorant, you know, to the fact of um, the other, the other um, elections that we need to be voting for mm-hmm. you know, throughout, every, you know, every two years and, and things like that. Um, so I'm just That's trying right. to, you know, get more aware, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not the biggest political, you know, person. I'm not all in it, you know, like some other artists are, but I do care. I do want him out. And I'm definitely going to vote. And I encourage everyone to vote not mm. for Trump. Heard that. Ooh, amen to Straight that. Up. Straight up. Unapologetic. <laughs> because yeah. I, I, we did a show last week that was uh, pretty passionate about um, whether people are voting uh, on either side of the electorate. And, you know, we had a guest on last week, Kevin Boats, who said, I'm not down with the, the two-party system, period. So they're both bad to me. And he has his own ideas about uh, where he's coming from with that. And he's got some excellent points. I, however, share the view that this guy, you know, the doomsday scenario is here right now. I mean, say what you want, but I have never seen, I'm a psychologist, Reese. I have never seen the level of anxiety amongst our community Mm -hmm. as a result of the occupant of the White House. And I'm sorry, you may be disappointed with the last administration prior to this one with Barack Obama and Joe Biden, but I cannot recall when 211,000 people died in eight months due to the same phenomenon, okay? And I just haven't seen this. So uh, those disaffected voters, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, be more open-minded to because I'm with you, Reese. Uh, this guy has got to go. And um, he, he even name-checked Philly in the debate uh, on the stage with Biden. He said, there's some terrible things going on in Philadelphia. Why is he picking on y'all's community like that? Yeah, because we're important as far as, um, I think we have like the most electoral votes or something in our state. It's something. Uh, it's something. It's it's something. something. Yeah. And, you know, we are, you know, there used to be a lot of Republicans out there. I mean, I'm from the suburbs of Philly, you know, where it was nothing but Republicans out there. But mm-hmm. you know, now I live in, in West Philly and it's just like, yeah, they're definitely still out there in the Chad's right. Fords part and the, you know, in the suburbs deep in. Mm-hmm. Because those people don't want their money messed with. You know? That's right. That's but, right. But at the end of the day, you know, we all gotta we all have to vote and we, you know, and we have to figure out when to vote even in these smaller mm. elections, like we have to care enough to, to investigate. Mm-hmm. And, and I can honestly say I care enough now. Yes. You know, yes. And, you and know. it's okay. It's okay because a lot of us are learning, you know, a lot yeah. of us, you know, I thought I was woke, but I've, I've learned, you know, by talking to people like you and others that, um, you know, I do vote in every election, but at the same time, uh, I did underestimate the, the power of local uh, legislation. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm learning, I'm evolving, and I'm certainly a student of this process, and it is a process. And so I try to extend to others the type of grace that I hope that they extend to me and have patience with me. I am certainly evolving, and I too have uh, recently uh, embarked upon this new discovery of political education and civic engagement right. as much as I can. Right. I'm wondering how this has infused and infected your music. Um, you, you're, you're an artist. I mean, it's hard to uh distinguish or extract the 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 creative process from mm-hmm. current events that are pressing upon us we've had george floyd brianna taylor Ahmaud arbery you guys got your own case out there i think the brother's name was dennis plowden i mean mm-hmm. stuff is going down all around us in what way yeah. would you say this has affected or impacted your creativity as an artist well you know there's 
there's two kinds of artists out there. There's artists that, you know, constantly feed off of what goes on around them um, and they regurgitate that in their art and they write about just that in their art. And they, you know, there's like an artist I know named Steph Reed and he's very much like about love and he's about, you know, justice and he's out there, you know, um, you know, protesting and, and like it's consuming and it's just, not even consuming in a bad way, in a great way. And it's like recycling through him. And there's a lot of artists out there. And then you have artists that I feel like I'm in that category where, yeah, I'm definitely affected. I can't not be affected um, by what's going on, but I don't necessarily, um, you know, write about what is on the news. You know, I don't Mm. really do that. I just kind of, write how I feel or sometimes I write about or I just want to do music that is not that it has nothing to do with that because mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to constantly be in that zone you know that's the news for me you know but mm-hmm. I'm also someone that doesn't really watch a lot of television you know or movies or anything like that mm-hmm. so I just try to like stay focused and and try to enjoy the time in the middle like I try to create the bubble and that's where the music and, and the inspiration comes from. And I try to just stay around my family, mm. uh, my partner, um, mm. you know, and I just, I just try to create so people have an escape, you know? Absolutely. Um, so it's like, I'm not necessarily gonna, I definitely want you to vote and I'm, I definitely want you to, mm-hmm. you know, be in that. And, but I also, you know, I want to defund the police. I'm with it, you know, and I also want to create a space where people can have a break, you know, and, mm. and have an hour of just like not being so uh, beat down by politics mm. because, you know, minorities, we're the ones that are beat down the most by it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. Everybody, you know, wants to have this slogan, but it's been our life, you know. Yes. And what I've, what I've been doing before, you know, white people wanted to get involved and actually stand up for us, I'm going to continue while they're doing it and hope and, you know, want them to keep on fighting. And I'm mm. going to do it before, during, and after, you know, because I I'm think there's still a need. Yeah, there's still a need for a break. Ugh. Oh, my God. You know? So that's what I'm, I'm here to, to do. Absolutely. And that's what I enjoy. And no matter what's going on that's negative, I want to still have have uh, have peace. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I still want to at least feel like I'm gaining something in my life, and my life isn't just the negative. I, I want the negative things to just be a part of it, mm. not be it. That's right. You know. Yes. Um, as far as being woke, like for me, I go back to when I went to Nigeria in January of 2019. No, no, no. Was it 2000? Yeah, going into 2019, I, I flew out to Nigeria. Hmm. And that experience of being in Ibadan, which is not their main city, but like far away, that, that was the thing that kind of created the wokeness in me. The mm-hmm. stuff that people think now, like being woke is a political thing, that's, that's just like a marketing campaign, you know? That's oh. just like marketing. Mm. You know, we black people we know, we know how what we know about systematic racism. We've been yes. through it. We live it. Yes, we've been through Black Lives Matter. So like, I'm not in that whole like, oh, I'm woke now. You know, mm-hmm. like, 
that's not for that's not for us. That's for right. them. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they're I'm glad they're having this moment, you know, and that they're trying to push along our our like civil rights, you know, movement. Absolutely. But you know, it's that part of it has just been something for for us minorities to to live through, and we have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah. being woke was when I went back to Nigeria. I went to Nigeria for the first time and I realized that my perspective on things seemed like I might as well be white or I might as well, you know, mm-hmm. because, and, and, and really that meant more of not just being white, but being Westernized mm-hmm. culturally, mm-hmm. you know, not, um, oh, I want to have a perm in my hair and straighten it, or I want light eyes or light skin, but actually seeing how people perform, you know, um, their religious rituals or seeing how people live and seeing how people, you know, live in, in homes with dirt floors and mm. dirt roads and questioning why we cement ours here when it's just not good for the things that we actually need, like wow. water. Mm-hmm. You know, we need the soil to be clean so we can grow our food, but that's primitive. So, mm. But is it but that's just not smart to to soil and to to make unclean the land and the water. Mm. But that's you know to do that is civilized, you know. So that that to me are the things that I was that I questioned, and that's what make that's what awoke you know awakened me. Absolutely. You know? Wow, interesting. There was an article uh, that I saw over the weekend about Blacksit. You know, there's there's this Blacksit thing where. Uh, um, Candace Owens, I call her Candance, uh, is trying to get uh, black folks to leave the Democratic Party. But Blacksit is another movement where fed up black Americans are just getting out of the United States, period. And it's it's a permanent staycation for them because they just don't feel like as black women, they're not going to get the respect. And it seems like everybody is more embracing of African-Americans outside of America. And yeah, there's problems everywhere. But like you said, I mean, the it people are embracing the concept lately far more now than they have in the past. And the reasons why are the things that you're stating and people just be, they just want to be reconnected. And that escapism piece you were talking about, wow, that you remind me of, uh, by the way, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. We're talking to Reese, y'all, the good sister Reese, soul singer out of Philly, breaking it down on the, uh, oh, just, just the, the global, uh, knowledge tip here, but the escapism piece is so important and the permanent vacations like that mean so much, but just in terms of creativity, I had the privilege with my wife to go to Paisley Park in Minneapolis to see Prince's Ooh, uh, complex. Nice. And very you nice. talk about, because you talked about being quarantined with your partner and how you've been able to sort of reconstruct that whole creative environment to, to mm-hmm. suit the times. And being able to fuel your creativity around that environment and through that prism, it does enable a certain detachment from the ills of society going on outside our door. Because like you said, it's like, we didn't need this wake up call. We, we black or whatever you want to call ourselves, African-American, we, we didn't, we don't need mm-hmm. a BLM or an acknowledgement from, you know, allies that uh, black folks have it hard. And yes, we thank you for your uh, support now <laughs> but we've right. been in this we've been in this for a minute but but contrary you know it is like it, it we kind of did need it like we kind of did need it because they didn't want to 
half of them didn't want to see it. Hmm. It's like we did need it. I know. It does help because they only listen to themselves. You know, <laughs> you know what? what I'm saying? You're right. I had a, a brother who's been on the show before. He's actually an active black police officer right now who does not like what he sees in the police force. But he texted he me yesterday. <laughs> he needs to quit. Oh, my God. Uh, I have a whole show on that, Reese. I'm going to have to uh, let you hear that, but I ain't mad at what you're saying. But he says, um, in his text to me just yesterday, he said in some way, because he's also a very uh, religious man. And so okay. he was just talking about, you know, in some ways, Trump is a blessing because right. through his mm -hmm. uh, presence, it's been able to unearth certain things so that people could really see it plain. And this is how I responded to him. I'm not going to read it uh, word for word, but basically I said, I will suspend my uh, decision on that until he's out of office and Trumpism is gone. Right. Because we didn't right. need that. We already knew, right. you know, and I, I get it that the allies understand now how, you know, they've been gaslighting, not all of them, you know, some of them been, have been down from day one, but right. for, for the rest of y'all who've been gaslighting us and trying to deflect them. Yeah downplay yeah you know welcome to the party but we've been telling y'all about this so we didn't need trump yeah. for, for right. all this. yeah we didn't but we like didn't minorities, we didn't we they didn't. needed it because they yeah. yeah i guess you know they needed it unapologetically too i mean and and not even that because that it wasn't even just him because if it was just him that mm. wouldn't have done it it had to be george floyd it, Exactly. Being murdered. It had to be Brianna being murdered all in the same mm -hmm. time that he was acting up. Because if he was just acting up like this, trust mm -hmm. me, they wouldn't be saying nothing. If they didn't see that man die like that on TV or, right. you know, on online, they wouldn't have said nothing. Nope. You know, um, if it wasn't a pandemic where they were forced to sit in their houses and, and watch it and that's yes. it. And have to deal with the fact that their grandkids are half black. Yes. That their nieces are half black. Come you on. know, it's like, it's, it's, and, 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 I wish that the NBA guys, I wish they never went back to, I wish they stopped and, and never went back to finish mm -hmm. the season because they had a, a certain power riding. I don't know what they said they got from it, but mm -hmm. they said they made changes or whatever, but it's like, mm -hmm. no, no, you didn't. Mm -hmm. Kaepernick is still, you know, not on a team. I'm mm -hmm. sure he still wants to play. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we, we just have to like really stand strong. And it's, and it, it just seems like outside looking in that, certain people have enough money to take care of other people. So they should, mm. you know, the top 5% of, you know, players that make all the money, mm. they have enough for the, for the ones that don't. That's right. Make that much. that feel like they have to be out there playing because they, mm. they make under a hundred grand or, you know, and they have their whole family to pay for. Right. You know, so, right. I, you know, it's just like all of us have to kind of figure this out, you know, but, I think, yeah, it, it's a little bit of, um, you know, it's a relief, you know, that's why I say it's so awkward, you know, mm. because it's, it's a relief that finally a quarter of these people see what's going on mm -hmm. and they're willing to put their, their lives on the line and they have, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but it's also like, there's a lot of them fighting all of us, the rest Absolutely. of us, Absolutely. Like they don't want that reign to end. They don't. And, you know, they will die for it. And yeah. they they will come to the polls and intimidate us for it. Yes, and they will stand on the podium, and mm -hmm. and promote, you know, white supremacy. Yep. They'll, they'll do it, and they'll do it. 
you know, and they've done it and it's shocking, but it's not really that shocking anymore. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like, it's been happening so long that it's like, I know how to, like, I feel like I know how to deal with it. I feel like I have dealt with it. Yes. That's what, you know, and that's really strange. Like that. It's just really strange, you know, it but it, I'm grateful for it. I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know, it, it does take, you know, people that are in power to, risk their lives and their jobs and their money mm-hmm. and their business for anyone to uh for it to trickle down to the, to us right you know right and i think people at various levels they make their peace with this moment in the way that they best know how and for those that can extract the the silver lining or the blessings that have emerged during this time and they don't see all gray skies um I think there is some power in that because there's a a certain condition called learned helplessness that can ensue and engulf people when they feel like no matter what they do, they'll have no impact on the outcome of anything. And so in this era of what the occupant calls fake news, there's no such thing as fake. He's the fake. Okay. Everything (laughs) that was in place before, we can still trust it. Today is still Monday. By the time people are listening to this, the sky is still blue and the grass is still green, okay? People can argue against that all they want, but that level of silliness did not exist before this occupant. And so if he were acting like a president, I'd call him that, but he doesn't respect the office of the presidency. So I call him the occupant, just like some of our uh, more esteemed leaders do. But, oh, you are absolutely right. You're speaking the truth. So I tell you, this has stirred up some stuff. So. I hear you when you say it has um, little or limited impact on your music. So what can you tell us about the music you're working on? Because you are um, known for just emerging in some really, really uh, fun and creative spaces. You were recently, I don't know how recently it is now, but you you were on tour with CeeLo, you know, going around the world with him. And uh, you're a survivor. You, you just find a way to keep on pushing on. And of course, the last time you were here, we were celebrating the life of the late, great Waba Watson, who was a, a great friend and mentor of yours. And so um, what can you tell us about this? No, new that's, yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, going back to the last conversation we had and we mm-hmm. were talking about Wawa um, and we did the song together called For Who You Are that I did a love while it. back, but it still has its fire. People still love this record. Oh, People love for me to sing it. Yes. They love to hear it. Um, I just actually, um, filmed a video for it and mm-hmm. um, that's I guess one of the things that came out of this situation mm-hmm. um, I met a, a creative person named Caleb Lucky who um, agreed to to film a phenomenal video for me um, my partner Steve McKee came up with the treatment um, and helps you know in every way to execute the video mm. uh, we shot it in Philadelphia it actually should be ready next, or actually this Wednesday. So in a couple okay. of days, it should be ready. And as soon as I get it, I'm gonna just post it on my YouTube account, which is youtube.com, T-H-E-O-N-E-R-E-S, which spells out the one Reese. The one and, Reese. Um, yeah, and I'll, you know, I'll have it posted on my, all my social media stuff. But, um, it, you know, special video, you know, it's a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple ups and downs with trying to, you know, get this song out. Um, 
and I'm just happy to say that I, I finally got this video. It means a lot to me. When when songs mean a lot, I mean, all, all my songs kind of, you know, mean a lot to me, the ones that I, I write. This one is extra special because I co-produced it with Wawa. This is your girl, Reese, and you're listening to DJ Rome on Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. With, with this project reset, um, I heard Wednesday and the, the subsequent release of the remaining material. How soon can we expect to see that in the musical hemisphere? Honestly, I right now I'm independent and mm -hmm. I'm literally, when I mean independent, I'm not independent and signed to an independent label. I'm independent, meaning my team is me and my laptop, you know, and, Come on. and my partner. And yes. I'm very much just, you know, as soon as I... I just have to get my head wrapped around and, and put out, you know, set it up. You know, I, I literally did a press release last week for it. Mm -hmm. um, it. Going back to my to the campaign that actually funded the album. Um, That's beautiful. The Indiegogo campaign um, that that happened three, four years ago. But I still am very committed to, you know, fulfilling my commitment. Um, mm -hmm. So I need to give those people the album first. I need to give them the MP3s first. I need to give them the vinyl first. I need to give those 300 people the the um, the CDs first. So that's really my focus. And once mm -hmm. they have it, then I'm going to release it on iTunes and Bandcamp mm -hmm. and this place mm -hmm. and that place, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I really have a thing where I need to fulfill my commitment to those people who put their money where their mouth is, their mouth was. and who stuck by me all this time. Um, so I really want to make it special for them first. Um, and then as soon as that's done. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm working on the cover now and, um, you know, but, you know, in 2020, it's like, as soon as things are done, you can just upload them. So you sound I'll so relaxed. On it. You sound like you're not even tripping. It's like, look, I'm unbossed and unbothered. I'm, you know, my corporation is me and my laptop and my timeline. I ain't tripping. I mean, I'm-, I'm Yeah, I'm I wish you could be. <laughs> I mean, my time, you know, I wish my time like could be like, you know, me and 20 other people, but it isn't. Mm. And I'm just being really um, transparent and mm -hmm. really honest about where I am and, and when it's going to get to you. Um, I think that's the, always the best way, you know, and right. I can't be stressed about it because I see myself, you know, doing this forever. Mm -hmm. So I, I just feel like it's 2020. I need to take that approach, you know, and I'm really, really grateful the other, the other positive that I'm grateful for, you know, with this whole switch in the world is that I'm able to release music, you know, and it's less people I have to go through to get it there, mm -hmm. you know, um, to get it. So, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, you know, like right now the, the industry, like the door is wide open for literally anyone who has a laptop and garage band to promote something or put something out, but right. it also makes it easier for people to, you know, to release music like me and to not have, um, you know, so many administrative uh, walls and mm -hmm. people to go through, you know, so but I'm just taking it in stride. Absolutely. And like I said, the, the, this segment should be renamed At Peace with Reese. Because you <laughs> yes. don't sound like you're tripping. Because, you know, I when it. I think about the, the, the Wawa Watson song for who you are, I mean, 
just the warmth of just having the, the, the spirit of collaboration with real musicians in the room. And you talk about GarageBand and how just about anybody with GarageBand can put out a track. Um, can you give us a preview about the, the nature of the instrumentation that you've incorporated into this latest project? You said your partner is a musician and producer in his own right, a talented drummer. Uh, well, Reset actually was done, you know, prior to the pandemic and everything. Mm. And, but it was done with, you know, in collaboration with a lot of artists. Um, you know, literally what happened was I was living in California. I was feeling really down about, you know, the legal proceedings that Talib, you know, decided to put me through. And I just felt like I had to save myself. And mm. it was like, okay, I can't keep knocking down this door with these, with this set of songs that's named in a lawsuit. I actually have to let go of it, which is so hard to do when you work on something, you mm. know, and I actually had to to desert it for time for this period of time uh, and just say, you know what, I'm starting over from scratch mm. and I'm starting over from scratch and I don't have money because I've been fighting him in court. Mm. So I just decided to leave my apartment in Los Angeles, not knowing how I was going to pay anything. I flew back to Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Then I, I took a bus or, you know, to, to Jersey, to, no, to New York, and then took like some other buses back to New Jersey. And I found myself writing my album in an apartment in, and recording this in mm. an apartment in someone's room in, in uh, Patterson, New Jersey, wow. which is not, you know, Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying it's not Miami but it's Patterson New Jersey home of Fetty Wap you know it's a crazy crazy mm -hmm. crazy little city um and I I just hunkered down with John with JJ and we just um we just wrote from the heart you know it was a lot of um and 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 we I only planned on doing it for a month I was like oh I'm gonna write this album in a month Mm -hmm. because uh, I've written with JJ before and I know how, like our chemistry. And then it ended up going to two months and it was a great time. I have to thank um, Chanel Red too for, for having me um, and letting me record at their home. And, you know, JJ really was the glue to this record. I mean, to this album reset. I, you know, for how I do, Santi, Santa Gold was the glue. She was like, you know, she was the bone. She wasn't the dog looking for the bone, you know, <laughs> but for, for Tell us where you got that from. Cause I, oh, I remember that statement. Where'd that come from? Oh yeah. That came from Wawa. That's, that was his, one of his classic, classic uh, statements was that he was the bone, the bone. And the dog looking for the bone. So I, I think I, I've never forgotten it. When you, when I heard you say that, I've never forgotten it. Yeah. Like it's so great. It's like, so true. And, <laughs> and for reset, you know, it all came down to, to uh or at least the inception of it and the writing was you know myself and JJ and mm. you know but he he was the bone because he you know he was the you know the psychiatrist and you're like oh my god I think everything's falling apart or he was the marketing guy when you're like how are we gonna make this make sense you know he was like the hype man when you're like okay I don't know if this is gonna work he's like no no it is you know and he just kept mm. the vibe up and his energy is great and his songwriting is incredible and you know i just was blessed i just was blessed to be in the right place the right time to meet the right person and you know 
for them to have that kind of generosity to welcome me into their home for two months, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know what, I, I knew I was going to have great records out of that time, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what they were going to be about. And he really, really helped me just be, be uh, at ease with talking about my personal issues and what I personally was going through. Mm-hmm. And I can never uh, thank him enough for that because up until that point, I really wasn't comfortable with that. You know, I didn't really always want people to know what I was going through or I would write it in a way where I would mm. hope that people wouldn't necessarily just look at me like, oh, that happened to her. This is what went down or this, you know, and I just felt like a piece in it. Like, you know, right. and some songs I cringe, like I cringe when I listen to mm. them because like the first song on the record, I, I kind of cringe because I'm like, oh, my God, this is so like an open wound. Mm. You know? But mm-hmm. um, but that's what makes it great. And you know, also the people that, that donated their, their music, like, you know, I didn't have a budget, you know, I was Mm. on the heels of going in year two of fighting a lawsuit Mm -hmm. from Talib from being sued from him. So it was, you know, I didn't really have a lot of money, but the people that he linked me to believed in what I was doing. They believed me as an artist. Mm. They loved what they, they believed in, in JJ, you know, Mm -hmm. and what he, and him, his, his advice and his, uh, recommendation for me and I got some great records and then I also but then but but they weren't done you know they were great demos they were great records Mm -hmm. but then I needed you know my partner Steve to come in and I needed Vidal to come in to Mm -hmm. make it sound like it was the quality and Mm -hmm. the the showmanship and the musicianship you know needed to come out Mm -hmm. so that's you know it was a team effort and it, it went in stages and i'm just grateful that it happened in the time that it happened at first i thought oh it's taking too long you know mm-hmm. i'm playing myself i'm playing people like people are going to be like reaching mm-hmm. out to me like what are you doing you know you know but and why are you taking so long you got this money from this campaign this album should be out you know mm-hmm. but i didn't get that you know i got i have fans that were like yo we'll be patient and just let us know what's going on and i did and I, I was very mm-hmm. transparent with them and they, I think they appreciated it. And most of them never even responded, but they will be happy to know that they are going to get their record within, I don't know, I would say another month max, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and that might be, it may be longer just because of printing mm-hmm. and getting how long it takes to do vinyl and CDs, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm very close and just very grateful, very yeah. grateful, you know, and I'm, I'm, grateful that I have the skills and the talent from somewhere. I don't know where I got it from, but that, <laughs> that I create music that doesn't have a, a time right. attached to it, you know? So it could come out five years from now. It's not, but it could, and it still mm-hmm. will be, it still will be relevant. It still will be great. It still will be worth listening to. Wow. So. Well, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. Uh, that is the wonderful voice of Reese, singer songwriter out of Philly. And uh, just breaking it down, it's, it's amazing what adversity will bring out of us. And you have certainly been carried uh, on, on the wings of love uh, somehow, some way. Your fans have uh, been really loyal and devoted. And uh, true to form, you are certainly. Uh, willing to stand in that and uh, honor your word and commitment to them uh, by dropping as a priority upon them first before anyone else 
right. this next release you have coming out. And I think that's a very, very beautiful thing. Uh, can't wait to hear it. Uh, love having you on the show. You know you're welcome to come back here anytime. You know I'm always hitting you up. You are always welcome here. What's the best way for people to follow your work, uh, find some new music from you, and how can we keep in touch with you? Well, um, you know, thank you for always, you know, reaching out um, and being persistent about it because I'm, I'm always like, I'm not the easiest person to, you know, gain, gain their attention because I'm just, <laughs> I'm like a space cadet sometimes, but you know, thank you for that. And, um, All good. and always having good questions because the worst thing is interviewing with folks <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, they're going to ask me what's in my bio again, oh. you know? So I, I always appreciate the conversation with you oh, and, um, you know, but you guys can find me on social media, um, on Instagram. I'm at the one Reese, T-H-E number one, R-E-S. The same thing on Twitter. Um, you can reach out to me with the same at the one Reese on Facebook. And now um, I just started like a, a store um, where you can like get merch and where you can get the refried Mac vinyl autographed by me. There's not that many um out there in the world and Ooh. i have a few of them um wasn't that trending on twitter a minute ago the the fleetwood mac yeah fleetwood mac is trending now because <laughs> this guy in california or san diego or something like was skateboarding drinking cranberry juice and listening to dreams and just loving it and then uh mick fleetwood he the you know from one of the members mm -hmm. from Fleetwood Mac just to, you know, mm -hmm. saw it and he made his video and it just became a viral sensation. And now the song Dreams is like back and popping and in everybody's face and everyone's just like wow. realizing how great the tune is. So I encourage you guys to listen to the version I did, which right? I think is really good. And I think it's one of my best bodies of work. And um, it's five of my favorite Fleetwood Mac songs. And mm. you guys, and, and actually today I'm going to, um, figure out how to upload it, you know, to Bandcamp and to every other platform where people can listen to music. Because mm -hmm. um, I want everyone to listen to it and, yes. and, and hear what I heard years ago. I mean, I did it in 2013. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been a fan of them, uh, Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks in particular. Absolutely. And, um, I just want everyone to listen to it, you know? Yes. So you can find me on uh, mckeereesemusic.com. You can find that um, vinyl. Spell that and for us, please. It's Mickey Reese Music, M C K I E R E S, and the word music, M U S I C dot com. Nice. Um, and we have, uh, you know, and it's Mickey Reese Music because that is that's my partner, and mm -hmm. we are um, teaming up, and we have a new duo called Mickey and Reese that we've been performing under that moniker um, since the pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, it was like, okay, you're quarantining. You look to your, you realize you got a quarantine. You realize who you're in the room with and you're like, I guess it's going to be you. And, and mm -hmm. it, that is most likely the best that, you know, that's most likely the best. That's the best, you know? Yes. Um, I was very fortunate that something simple as that turned into um, mm. a great musical duo mm -hmm. and great music. And it's going to continue on. Um, you know, that's probably the person I'm going to make music with for a while now. And uh, I just encourage you guys to listen to everything that we do separately and together. Because it's going to be worth it. We just did um, two shows this weekend on stageit.com uh, mm -hmm. together. And the reason why it's such a partnership is because he is a, a great producer and drummer. 
I sing and we figured out a way to create a live show that feels just as great as a full band. Mm. And it's, you know, it's, it's just great. So I encourage you guys to watch, you know, my live streams. Um, we're going to do some more. I also have been getting back into DJing. Say what? Uh, yeah. I, I used to DJ years ago and just do like small lounges when I lived in New York. And oh, um, come on now. How come yeah, I didn't? And that? Now, because <laughs> I really was just doing it just because it honestly, at the time I was doing it more to make myself fall in love with music again. Cause I mm. was in a place where it was just so hard to get my music out in the way that I wanted to. Mm. And I just felt like I didn't have any opportunities and, you know, and so I created this, you know, I created one. I said, oh, okay, let me DJ. And, and it just made me actually like music instead of focusing on my songs, mm. I got to focus on the music that just inspired me mm. and that just made me happy. And I just continued to do it. So I got back into it. I got my setup now at my, oh, at, snap. At, yeah, I got a, a set up at our at our apartment, and I got to um, hear a DJ set now. Because oh, yeah. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised because sure. the first time I met you, I was spinning at um Fado, not Fado though. Um, doggone it, the Mint. Remember the Mint in right. LA? Right, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. And I remember Fado though. <laughs> that was my I spot. Remember those spots? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know who took me there first was Fish from Fishbone. He was oh, like, you gotta really? come up in here. Yeah, because they used to rock that place for years. Yes, they did. Him and Medusa. Yes. And, like oh all of them, God. you know? Yeah, Those like Blast from the Past. Yeah. But that the was... Mint is great too. I mean, that was a it great is. spot. I had one of my best shows at the Mint. Oh, I saw I it. probably there. I, yeah, I had a show there where the band, they were house, it's the band called The House of Vibe. Mm -hmm. It's been my band for years, like when I lived in LA and when I first started um, performing how I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Fish from Fishbones in it. Um, the leader of the band is uh, Brew. Um, mm. And Spacey T was in that band at the time. Oh, He's yes. like a black rock artist. Oh, yeah. Great guitarist who I just, I'm just, I haven't okay. met a guitar player sicker than, doing black rock sicker than um, Spacey, Spacey T. T. Yeah, but, what was um, his band? What, it was a black rock band, wasn't it? Doggone, it slips in my name. Or I my, know, I'm like, I, I'm I can't even up. think of it. But he, it was up. like one of the first black rock bands he started. Yep. And, yep. um, you know, they, we, we all showed up at the show and no one could rehearse because House of Vibe had like so many other shows and rehearsals. They couldn't rehearse for my show. And mm. we hadn't played in a long time. So we had a, a rehearsal right before we got on stage, like an hour before, or no, like a half hour before. And we literally just all sang our parts. So like the, the bass player was like, doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom. While the drummer was like, boom, the cat, boom, the cat. And I was singing, the keyboard player was like, spin, spin, spin. You know, literally, we were like mouth, like voicing our parts. Mm -hmm. And we walked out on stage literally right after we did the last song and back, you know, backstage, like vocally. And we killed it. Like they killed it. Like they did, they killed it. And I was like, wow. So I can have some of the best shows without even preparing. Look when you have the right musicians and house of vibe was that wow. and house of vibe is that so i saw yeah that's dope that's a dope story i saw yes. roxanne shantae's um uh, unsung episode and she kind of did that with biz Marquis, and it was sort of spontaneous sort of like that and then she went on stage and had like this legendary like uh freestyle session with him while he was beatboxing and it, it just it, it just made her a legend spacey t 
I'm almost embarrassed to admit that it slipped my mind, but I actually know the brothers, um, uh, bandmates. Spacey T played in a band called Sound Barrier. One of the Sound first- Barrier. That is the band. That is the band. That is the band. Rock without the roll. I remember seeing that them is on- the band. That was the band. I saw them before uh, MTV or one of the earliest uh, only black rock bands they had on MTV. And uh, Spacey T, wow. So a like a mint can bring that kind of creativity and spontaneity out. And so that's where I met you backstage. And it's like, so when you say that you spin, it's like, it makes sense. Because to me, you've always kind of been connected to DJ culture anyway. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. Most, most yeah. Times when you were in LA, I mean, you were, you you know the spots. I mean, you're, you're not even in LA, but as soon as I said the Mint, Fado Doe, you know them spots. You know Lamert Park. Oh yeah. You know, you know all For of sure. that. So that yeah, because wow. yeah, when you're a musician and you're around the right ones, like they yep. they teach you, you know, they let you well, know they don't they don't they don't you know have you half step. So and when it works, know, I got to rock. Yeah, I mean. I just, I just really got into DJing because of that. And, and I'm so glad I did, you know, because Mm -hmm. it still gives me that like, oh wait, I love listening to music and I love dancing to music and I love, you know, and going to Nigeria and, you know, Mm -hmm. initiating into Yoruba culture. When I went there, you Mm -hmm. know, I came back like with all types of rhythms, like, and wanting, and, and artists that I wanted to listen to. And I mean, we had a jam session. I mean, I guess you could call it a jam session, you know, you know, at the, uh, like at the church or whatever that, uh, I mean, we didn't even have instruments, you know, like we had sticks and like cowbells and, and <laughs> in our hands, you know, and like, it was at least like 20 people in the room getting down, kids, everybody, hey. you know, just singing and they wanted me to sing, you know, so I was singing to them and mm. they were dancing around like they were listening to a whole band and I was just mm. like blown away. And then I said, wait a minute. Once I got to the sixth, seventh song, I was like, um, can you guys sing? And mind you, I'm with all priests and religious mm. like people, you know? And they yeah. were like, heck yeah, we can sing. And so they just started singing to me. And it was just remarkable. Wow. Like I've never had an experience like that before in my life. And oh, wow. I just got to give a shout out to my, my religious family there because mm-hmm. they really changed my life. Absolutely. Well, that's... Yeah you're blessed my sis I mean, i'm favored i'm i'm definitely favored come on come on i mean definitely. every story you've shared tonight is just further and further indication of that i'm going to pray for continued blessings and favor to be falling upon you uh throughout the remainder of this pandemic as it stands right now uh you have found a way to survive and to thrive and you're such an inspiration to me and to our listeners out there Thank you so much for stopping by. Will you come back again whenever you feel like it to join us again on Psychotic Bump School, please? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm sure I'll be there, be be with you guys soon because we have to talk about Reset and there's a lot to talk about with that album, a lot to talk about. So I hope you guys, you know, enjoy the new single, Burning Desire, um, that you will hear soon, if not today. You know you're capable of flying, but you're forced to crawl. You ever felt like life is telling you your time is up? You lost your way, floating in outer space. But what they'll never say is that you have what it takes. 
you guys to look on my youtube and any anything that has the one reese on twitter instagram anything because you will see the for who you are video see i don't blame you for running i've never seen the dark places you've been so please can you tell me something like what it'll take Make it up. 